It's time for The Apple Seed, an hour that uses the power of great stories to help you make sense of the world and communicate with the people who are important to you. Sometimes you just need the words to have the conversations you really want to have. And we bring you tall tales and fairy tales and folk tales and personal tales and family tales and history tales and more. Stories that can start conversations and get the storytelling happening around your kitchen table or living room. At the Appleseed, we believe that great stories can change your family's world. I'm Sam Payne, your host. We're excited to bring you an hour of great stories today. We brought you some stories about the importance of community in our lives. Family, friends, the town you live in. What's the community that you feel most part of? We'll hear from Dolores Hydock as she talks about her mother's last months and how those months were eased by the loving gestures of the people in her community, her small Alabama town. The three clocks were gifts for the hospice nurse and two hospice aides who had taken such good care of my mother and me during the eight months that she had been so sick. And we have an original Appleseed audio drama that is, well, to put it mildly, it's a story about pets. Let's say it's a story about pets. Is that you, Frankie? <laughs> that audio drama is called Extracurricular Activities. We've been cooking it up in the Appleseed Secret Lab, and we can't wait to share it with you. That's all today on the Appleseed. Now, community, right? Community is important to most of us because it's the feeling of fellowship with others, kind of a result of common attitudes, interests, goals, or sometimes just proximity, you know, the folks that live around you and work around you. Community acts in important ways to protect the people in the community. It can be the people in your neighborhood working to save everyone's house from a flood. That happens sometimes. It can be the people at your church providing meals to a family who's just had a new baby. It can be the other kids in your math class working out problems on the board and explaining constants of proportionality to those still confused. I was often one of those still confused, and I'm grateful for that community, more grateful than I could ever say. Belonging to a bigger group than just yourself or your family is important to feeling secure and confident, even when you face challenging experiences. Sometimes we benefit from the community around us because others are working hard to make sure we feel accepted, and other times we're doing the hard work to make sure others feel accepted. Sometimes we need to do the work of connecting to new people so they feel part of the group. And as we listen to stories today, think about what they teach us about how communities work. Now, first up is this story from Dolores Hydock, storyteller based in Birmingham, Alabama, who shares with us the community that gathered around her and her mother at a particularly challenging time. Dolores is waiting in the Appleseed Performance Studio along with our terrific studio audience. Let's join them. There is a principle, a scientific, philosophic, medical principle called Occam's Razor. Maybe some of you are familiar with Occam's Razor. O-C-C-A-M. It's named after Willem of Occam, a medieval scholar and philosopher. And the principle is this, that if some phenomenon happens and you observe it and you try to explain why that phenomenon happened the way it did, Occam's Razor says that the simplest explanation is probably the true one. So, for instance, let's say... You have a book on your desk, and it's hanging a little bit off the edge of the desk, and as you walk past, you bump that book with your hip, and the book goes crashing down, falling to the floor, and you observe that, and you think, okay, why did that happen? Why did the book fall to the floor? Why didn't the book just hang there in midair? Why didn't it float up to the ceiling? And you try to explain that phenomenon. So there's lots of ways to explain it. I mean, one explanation might be that at the very moment, that book was about to drop, a little band of angels magically appeared, hovering around it, holding it up, 
and staying with it until they saw it safely down to solid ground. And then the little band of angels disappeared again. Well, that's one explanation. Or another explanation might be that there is a force called gravity that exists in all objects with mass, and the gravity of the Earth is greater than the gravity in the book, and that gravity is what pulled the book down toward the floor. And that is a simpler explanation, not requiring little bands of angels to magically appear and disappear at just the right moment. And being the simpler explanation, gravity is more likely to be the true one. That's Occam's razor. My friend David was explaining all this to me one evening, several years ago, as a way of telling me why I was wrong to be so upset about the clocks. Look at this, I said to him. Three clocks. Three brand new clocks. These are expensive clocks. These are Waterford clocks. And not one of these clocks works. Can you believe that? He said, none of them works. I said, not one. That's when he explained about Occam's razor. He said it would have required way too complicated a series of coincidences for me to have walked into that store and selected precisely the three clocks that did not work. <laughs> there must be a simpler explanation, he said, like a little plastic thingy that's keeping the batteries from making contact. <laughs> <laughs> He was right. <laughs> On closer examination, I discovered that inside each of those clocks, there was, in fact, a little plastic thingy. And once that was removed, the battery made contact, and the second hand on that clock and on each of the three clocks began spinning around, keeping perfect time. <laughs> the three clocks were gifts for the hospice nurse and two hospice aides who had taken such good care of my mother and me during the eight months that she had been so sick. Those women had been so incredibly patient with us, answering questions, explaining procedures, just guiding us every step of the way. And now that their work with us was finished, the clocks seemed like a small, but I hoped appropriate way to try to thank them for the time they had lavished on us. My mother had been living at my house during those eight months. She had said to me once, years before, I hope I don't ever have to go to assisted living. Well, no, that's not actually what she said. What she actually said was, I hope I don't ever have to go to assistant living. <laughs> assistant living, as if that kind of living is not top rank, full status living. It's just assistant living. <laughs> It was not the first time she had given an interesting new interpretation to some words. I know one summer she and I had gone to see two of the big Oscar-nominated movies of that year, the one about the two cowboys in Idaho and the one about the author of In Cold Blood. And afterwards, I heard her on the phone telling my sister that we'd gone to see Bareback Mountain and Coyote. <laughs> or the first time she ever rode in my German-made automobile, she said, I've never ridden in a VFW before. <laughs> So, no assistant living for her. My saints are my assistants, she used to say. And it was true. She had a whole roster of saints that she called on, each with a particular area of expertise. Saint Anne, for instance, is the patron saint of mothers. Saint Anthony, patron saint of lost things. Saint Jude, patron saint of hopeless cases. I said to her once, some of their duties kind of overlap a little bit. I mean, what if you're a mother who's a hopeless case at losing things? Who do you go to then? <laughs> she said, well, most of the saints are specialists, but St. Jude is my primary care saint, so I go to him first. <laughs> the subject of saints had come up when I was up in Pennsylvania years earlier, helping her pack up her house as she prepared to leave her lifetime home there and move to Birmingham to live closer to me. We were packing up the kitchen, and I said, who's the patron saint of kitchen cabinets? Because, boy, do we need help with these. St. Martha, she said. Who else would it be? <laughs> and don't give me a hard time about my cabinets. I can't help it. <laughs> the cabinets, the kitchen cabinets of an 83-year-old woman who lived alone were crammed full 
with family-sized bags of Doritos, giant jars of mayonnaise, huge bottles of salad dressing, tins of tuna fish, cans of baked beans. I try to cut back, she said, but I keep winning this stuff at the senior center at Bingo. (laughs) She said, last Tuesday, I won four times. I had to quit playing. The other women were getting mad at me. Later, when she moved to Birmingham, her cabinets were not much emptier, and I confess a lot of that was my fault. I inherited from her the DNA that makes it genetically impossible for either one of us to pass up a two-for-one special at the grocery store. (laughs) Lots of good BOGOs this week, she would say as she scanned the Wednesday morning supermarket ads. You know, BOGO, buy one, get one free. Progresso soup. Dove ice cream bars, Ken's salad dressing. Do we need salad dressing? Did we need salad dressing? As often as that stuff was on special, neither one of us was going to need to buy salad dressing the rest of our lives. <laughs> at, at least you share, she said to me one time. Back when I was still living in Pennsylvania, I'd go to the store with your Aunt Jean. She'd take out her coupons and say, you buy one, I'll get one free. <laughs> Sometimes Mother and I would go on a supermarket scavenger hunt where we'd try to find specialty food items that are typical in Pennsylvania, but impossible to find in Alabama. Things like those wide egg pot pie noodles that you need to make authentic Pennsylvania Dutch-style chicken pot pie, or that spicy red hoagie spread kind of peppery relish that's an authentic ingredient, essential to an Italian sandwich or a Philadelphia cheesesteak. We never really expected to find those things there in Birmingham, but it was fun to look. And then one day, she came back from her new senior center and told me that somebody there had told her there was a store that sold Amish cheese, real Amish cheese from an Amish dairy farm in Ohio. And so one Thursday afternoon, she and I headed out for Miller's Cheese House in Sterrett, Alabama, about a 45-minute drive from my house. We found it, finally. It was off County Road 61, off County Road 63, off County Road 82, off County Road 84, off Highway 25, which intersected with Highway 280. It's not there anymore, but that day we found it. It was a one-room, white, concrete block building with worn wooden floors, two big coolers full of Amish cheeses and butter and eggs from that farm up in Ohio, the walls lined with shelves that were full of jars of jams and jellies and pickles and relishes. We didn't buy any of the jams and jellies. Thanks to last week's BOGO, between the two of us, we still had 132 unopened ounces of Welch's grape. But but we did get a couple of kinds of cheese, and as the woman behind the counter was wrapping it for us, she noticed that Mother was talking and did not have a southern accent, asked her where she was from. Pennsylvania. That woman was from Ohio. The two of them spent 20 minutes comparing recipes for shoe fly pie. (laughs) And before we left, the woman disappeared behind a little curtain into a sort of pantry closet, came out with a cellophane bag of wide egg pot pie noodles, gave them to mother, said, here, these are impossible to find here. I hope you enjoy them. Come back and see me sometime. And she told us a shortcut for the ride home. On the way back, Mother sang to me. Well, not literally, but that's, that's kind of the way it sounded. Her voice high and melodic in my ear. She was telling me about Antarctica. She had just read an article about Antarctica in a Smithsonian magazine. A friend back in Pennsylvania had given her a subscription for her last birthday. And so she was telling me about penguins and krill, the food they eat. She was, she was talking about how the generators sounded churning away in the dark, frozen night, the way the Southern Cross constellation looked, unobscured by any artificial light. She sang to me of penguins, this woman who was so interested in the world, who my whole life had modeled for me a sense of wonder and curiosity. We got back to her house, divvied up the cheese. We finished a couple of pesky clues from that morning's crossword puzzle. We sat out on the back porch, finished up a BOGO Dove ice cream bar. And then, bye, talk to you tomorrow. Sleep well. Love you. A sweet, happy day. All the sweeter, all the happier, 
because neither one of us had any clue it was the last one like that we would ever have. Because just a few days after that came the frantic phone call and the dash to the emergency room and the out-of-the-blue diagnosis of a, of a nasty cancer, and the assignment of a hospice nurse and hospice aides. And she moved into my house, no assistant living if we could help it. And we began a journey that lasted eight months and ended with the purchase of three Waterford clocks. Well, once that journey began, a strange phenomenon started to take place. People, friends, neighbors, people I barely knew, started showing up with lasagna, containers of homemade vegetable soup, loaves of banana bread, paperback romance novels, DVDs of Marx Brothers comedies. People offered to stop at the grocery store for us on their way home from work, offered to make a late-night run to the 24-hour pharmacy across town. It went on for eight months. And somewhere in the middle of all that, maybe five, six months into it, Mother was getting ready for bed, and as we always did at the end of a day, we talked about what kind of day it had been. It had been the kind of day where Lucy had brought a quiche for us to have for lunch, Anne had left a tin of lemon squares on the front porch swing. Rebecca had come to stay with mother for a couple of hours so that I could go do a story program at a luncheon. There were four cards in the mail, thinking of you. And as I bent down to kiss mother goodnight, she looked up at me and said, it looks like I live in assisted living after all, don't I? <laughs> and I agreed that she did. And so did I, I'd lived in assisted living my whole life, and it had taken something like that for me to realize it. Well, in the, oh gosh, years now since that happened, I often think about that phenomenon of cards and casseroles and countless kindnesses showing up so abundantly, so generously in what is supposed to be a hard, cold, cynical, selfish world. And when I try to explain that phenomenon to myself, I think about Occam's razor and how the simplest explanation is probably the true one. And so I've decided that the simple, true explanation must be this that at those moments in your life when you feel you are just about to drop, a little band of angels magically appears <laughs> hovering around you, holding you up, and staying with you till they see you safely back to solid ground. A story called Occam's Razor, shared with us by Dolores Hydock, a storyteller from Birmingham, Alabama. Such a pleasure to have her live in the Appleseed studio. That was recorded in front of our terrific studio audience, and it was a pleasure to be part of that studio audience. And in just a moment, we're going to talk around the table about that story. You know, Dolores Hydock shares a story about a community that formed around Dolores and her mother during the last months of her mother's life. Have you ever lost a loved one or had a situation in which the people in your community gather around you? Or have you been part of a community that has gathered around someone else in time of need? Well, those are stories worth thinking about, worth remembering, and worth passing along. There's a lot more coming up. I'm Sam Payne.
It was our pleasure a moment ago in the Appleseed Performance Studio to hear a lovely tale called Occam's Razor, uh, a tale told for us by Dolores Hydock, the wonderful Alabama storyteller. And uh, it's my pleasure around the desk now to be joined by our producers, Dr. Brian Tanner and Dr. Heather Bigley. Guys, thanks for joining me. Hey, great to be here. Hello. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Occam's Razor. Where did this story take you, Heather? I love the descriptions that uh, Dolores Hyduck had of all these people coming together to really help um, her mother. And, you know, she never says that her mother dies, but— we can understand that if her mother was in hospice and she keeps talking about the eight months. Um, And I, you know, one of the things I have to say is the beautiful work that hospice does. Is there room for that on this show to say, (laughs) like, my life has been touched by people who work in hospice and uh, have cared for my aunts and my grandmother and uh, just— the sacrifice and the grace that they extend to people in their last months yeah. is something really beautiful. And um, and those are people just in the community doing really what we would consider mundane, banal tasks for people. Right. Come and hold a hand and help them feel better and administer medicine maybe, uh, maybe do some cleaning and the whole family is just supported yeah. by those actions. Brian, how about you? Where did this story take you? Well, I agree with that. Um, it just makes such a world of difference to have people who really care and who are really there. And um, I, I really responded to that part of the story too. Like the, all the people who can come together to to help out and be a real community. Um, if, if you – this is something to know about me. If you want <laughs> – to just like instantly, it's almost like pushing a button on my face or something that just makes tears stream stream down <laughs> instantly. Just show me it's a wonderful life. Oh, you God. know, <laughs> like the moment the movie starts, it's like bink tears. Yes. You know, but uh, what's so beautiful about it? Uh, you know, the, the famous holiday movie. At the end, everyone in the community comes together. Yeah. And someone is having a financial crisis that could potentially ruin their life and their family and result in jail time. But it just – the way that it's solved is the entire community comes together and say, we're here for you. What can we do? You need money? Okay. Do you need anything else? And that's something that's so beautiful in this story as well is the way that people come together. You want to make me cry, uh, put me in front of uh, uh, Star Trek Two, And uh, I'm not <laughs> – I'm thinking about the moment, you know, the Spock's dying words, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. But in things like It's a Wonderful Life and in a story like this, we find out it's exactly the opposite. The needs of the one are mm-hmm. what people come and gather around yeah. in ways that are really beautiful, right? Well, uh, gosh, you know, we've gone uh, from uh, from It's a Wonderful Life to Star Trek Two. Well played, Sam. I liked yeah. how you did that, yeah. Well, it was a delight to hear that story from uh, from Dolores Hydock. Again, told live before our terrific studio audience in the Appleseed Performance Studio. And thinking about that story, thinking about some of our thoughts about community uh, brought to mind, for me, a memory that I'd like to share with you today as uh, today's entry in the Radio Family Journal. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it. On the Appleseed. It was a little surprising to get the text message. A beloved old English professor, Dr. Donna Cheney, had passed away, and the text came from her family. They asked me in the text if I'd be willing to sing something at the funeral service. Well, I was happy to do it, of course. And I rehearsed and prepared an old hymn tune, My Shepherd Will Supply My Need. It's a song I remember my mom and dad singing together in my very earliest childhood years. Dad would play the guitar, and they'd sing together in harmony. The sure provisions of my God attend me all my days. Oh, may thy house be my abode, and all my works be praise. 
There would I find a settled rest While others go and come No more a stranger or a guest But like a child at home It's a lovely old tune and I thought it would be appropriate for the funeral of Dr. Cheney. I had a 60-mile drive to practice the tune, too, but somewhere at about mile 30 or so, I began to think about Dr. Cheney herself. Her great love was William Shakespeare. And when you think about a person who loved Shakespeare, like Professor Cheney loved Shakespeare, a lot of Shakespeare comes up, comes back in the memories. And so it was that when I got to the funeral... It was a setting of Shakespeare's funeral song from Cymbeline that was in my head, and not My Shepherd Will Supply My Need at all. That funeral song goes like this. Fear no more the heat of the sun, nor the furious winter's rages. Thou thy worldly task hast done, home art gone, and tain thy wages. Golden lads and girls all must, as chimney sweepers, come to dust. Well, in any case, that's what I sang at the funeral. And before and after the song came remarks from people who knew Dr. Cheney. And there was this common thread that ran through all those remarks. It was the story of this professor whose house seemed always to be full of college students who were far from home or who otherwise felt a little lost in the world, people who were still trying to find their feet in the transition from living at home to living at school. To hear the family and their friends talk about it, you get this picture of the Cheney's house as a kind of refuge, a kind of haven for the tired, the poor, the tempest-tossed. There was always a dish of ice cream and an enormous helping of conversation with the Cheney family and a Monty Python movie available to anyone who might could use a dish of ice cream and some good conversation and a Monty Python movie. And, of course, sitting in the congregation and listening, well... It conjured up images of a house full all the time of stray puppies, and now these stray pups were, all of them, there at the funeral, honoring the person who had taken them in and made for them a place of community and belonging. Well, I sat in the pews and listened, and I found myself being emotionally carried away by that story, moved by it. For all these people to have had a place to come during their time at college where they could feel like they were at home. And of course, a lot of them were friends of mine. It was a very lovely sentiment. And there were a lot of people there at the funeral, a big legacy of people invited into the Cheney household community. And I thought of the lines in the song I had sung, Fear no more the heat of the sun, nor the furious winter's rages. And it occurred to me that while Shakespeare's song is a funeral song, it could just as well be a message to all those souls who walked in the Cheney's door, in the door where they would be safe from the furious rages of the world outside, even if they were far from their families or childhood homes. And that Shakespeare piece seemed even more appropriate as I thought about the people who heard it. Well, maybe as you've listened to me talk about this, you've seen this coming a mile away, but... It took me by surprise, looking around at all these people, thinking how wonderful it was that they had found this welcoming community over the years in the home of the Cheneys. I started to think about the time I'd spent myself around their kitchen table or at a summer gathering, and I wondered why, with all the people within arm's reach that could competently have sung a song at Dr. Cheney's funeral, the family asked me, who lived far away, and... By now, it's dawning on me. I was, as it turns out, one of those stray pups. When I was in college, I was far from home for the first time. I was trying to make new friends. I was trying to become the person I'd grow up to be. I needed a dish of ice cream and some conversation and a Monty Python movie from time to time. Without ever perceiving it, I was as much a part of that legacy as anyone. I wasn't an outside observer come to watch as a community mourned the loss of one of its own. It was my community. And I know I have to be careful about saying this. 
because I know that the search for the people who will be your life community is a serious search, and sometimes it takes a lot of energy and time. But it does seem at least a little bit wise as you pack your bags to head off on the journey to find that community to take a good look around the place where you are just to make sure that you're not standing in the middle of it right now. The Radio Family Journal of Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it, on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining me for that entry in the Radio Family Journal in whatever hard-won community you find yourself in right now. Do you find you've brought with you things you love from your past communities? What are some of those things? I bet some of them are at the heart of stories worth telling. And of course, you can tell them to us. We love to hear from you. Write us an email at theappleseed at byu.edu. We love to have you as part of our community. Next, we've got uh, an audio drama. It is, uh, well, again, it's kind of a pet story, let's say. And to talk about it, I've invited a couple of the folks who helped us make it. Audio engineers and sound designers, Jerem Hansen and Kira Brewer. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you with me. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, fun to be here. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about, I guess, without giving much away, kind of set up extracurricular activities for us. What, what, what are we going to hear here? It's yeah. a pet story, right? Yeah. It's, a- <laughs> it's like a story about relationships in a way, but like relationships with all of the different beings around you, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> what people are willing to do for their pets, what people <laughs> sacrifice, you know, yeah. things like that. My wife and I have a dog and she's she's a cutie. She's crazy though. Our dog, not my wife. She's cute though. <laughs> <laughs> our, our puppy now, we, we watch movies with her on the couch and stuff like that. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kira, what about you? Are you a pet person? Definitely. Uh, I'm unfortunately allergic to both cats and dogs, oh. which is so sad because I love them both so much. <laughs> yeah. But um, we do have a dog. She's hypoallergenic, which actually helps me a little bit. Incredible. So nice. What is your dog's name? Her name is Holly. Holly. Yes. And what about yours, Jeremy? Yeah, our dog's name is Jesse, like the cowgirl in Toy Story. Here it is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, we're about to get to it here. This is the uh, the name of this audio drama is Extracurricular Activities, and uh, we're thrilled to bring it to you here on the Appleseed. So the whole thing with the science fair is that if I do it, it's going to run right over the state drama competition, and trying to juggle both those things makes me feel like I don't even know if I want to get a cat right now. I mean, I feel like I've... (laughs) A cat, Beth? A cat? So you're interrupting me right now? No. Yes. Beth, I get it, and I sympathize. But you can't talk about science fair and state drama and cats while you're holding a melting ice cream cone. Ah! Not on a day as hot as today. Maybe inside the store, but not out here in front of the store. (laughs) I mean, I get it, I really do, but with you it's always, oh, I'm Beth. My life is miserable because I'm doing too many awesome things and I can't decide between them. Help, help. (laughs) Don't make fun of me, Thomas. And then a cat? I'm just telling you, sometime you're gonna learn that there's a limit to what you can take on. And I want to be there when you learn it. Oh. Hey, um, Nico, right? Yeah. Hey. You're impossible, Ben. What do you even mean? Oh, hi, um, Nico, right? I am going to smash this ice cream cone in your face. Come on, he plays the flute in the marching band. And that's supposed to mean? Nothing. It's just the only thing I know about him. My sister is in his section. Listen, if you like him, just talk to him. I don't like him. I just think he's cute. Cute and shy. And he plays the flute. Yeah, and he probably likes cats, too. Who's the shy one? You won't even talk to him. Won't even talk to him? I'll talk to him right now. Probably likes cats. You're a dork. 
best, the ice cream. You're going to. <laughs> oh, jeez. This I gotta see. Where even is he? Supermarket's a big place, Beth. He could be anywhere. I'll help you find him, though. You are actually lucky you're not trying to wipe ice cream out of your hair. I want to see this. I want you to see it. Okay, then. Let's go find him. Wait. There he goes. Down the aisle where they keep the kitchen stuff. I'm with you. Hey, Nick. Hang on, hang on. What the heck is he doing? Um, he's putting a mixing bowl under his sweatshirt. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. What is going on? Clearly, playing the flute in the marching band isn't all he does. Your boyfriend's a shoplifter, Beth. He's not my boyfriend. But he is a shoplifter. What do we do? We tell the store people. No, I don't want to get him in trouble. What you don't want is for him to get into trouble and to know it was you who got him in trouble. Don't be a jerk. Maybe there's a reason, an explanation. Okay, you want to... Let's follow him. Follow Nico? Well, I am interested to see how that pretty enormous mixing bowl gets out of here under his sweatshirt. And? Oh, yeah, and that stainless steel serving spoon. Come on. We hide, and then we follow him when he leaves. He's leaving. He's coming right toward us. Quick, um, Ugh. look like these 12 packs of soda. Oh, hi, um, Nico. Uh, hi, Nico. Uh, hi. Uh, see ya. See ya. See ya. Watch your ice cream. Oh, jeez. Let's follow him. Right, you haven't talked to him yet. Mission unaccomplished. This isn't about talking to him anymore. It's about finding out what's going on. Why he took that stuff, that's what this is about. Are you sure you can fit Stealth Recon in between science fair and state drama? I don't even know why we're friends, you and I. No, come on, he's getting away. There he goes, out the doors. Go, go, go. I'm going. Wait, wait. He's just standing there, right outside the doors of the store. What's he doing? Whoa, duck behind something, he's coming back in. Ah! I dropped my ice cream. Never mind, I'm out. Where are you, Beth? I'm behind this rack of pork cracklins. Where are you? I'm behind this magazine. Great hiding place. Where's Nico? Can you see him? Yeah, he's putting the mixing bowl down on the pile of shopping baskets just inside the door. And he left again, in a hurry. Left? Come on, we've got to go after him. Are you serious? He brought the mixing bowl back. I know, but this is weird, Thomas. I want to know what's going on. Okay. Are you going to bring the pork cracklins? Dork. Come on. Can you see him? No. Where? Wait, what's that? He's in the alley, rummaging in the trash? Stay back. We can follow him when he comes out. Here he comes. Stand facing the other way or something. I'll hide behind this crate of melons. Okay. He's cleared the alley. He has... It looks like one of those aluminum foil baking pans that, like, a chicken comes in or something. But no chicken. He's getting on his bike. Oh, we'll never catch him. Not on foot. I bet he'll go home eventually, and I know where he lives. Let's run back to my house, grab our bikes, and go over there. <sighs> That's it. You mean that place with Nico sitting right on the front porch? Sitting on the front porch holding that tinfoil thing he took from the trash? Maybe we could ride nonchalantly past, like we're on our way somewhere. Hey, guys. Ah! I mean, are you talking to us? Yes, you guys, Thomas and Beth. You know my name. Don't be ridiculous. Why are you following me? Following you? I'm not sure what you mean. We're just... You followed me into the store. You waited for me to come out of the alley. You followed me here. Why? And what took you so long? We had to go and get our bikes. Why are you following me? Well, the truth is, we saw you... Um, that is, we watched as you... Back at the store, we were looking when you... Stole that metal bowl? Well, yeah. I mean, to our way of thinking, you actually didn't steal the bowl. You left it there. And grabbed this tinfoil thing from the trash? Yes, we saw that too. And you want to know what's going on? Well, Beth was curious. We were curious, dork. What? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Well, well if, if you, you want, want to... to. Nothing. That. Nothing? Nothing? Listen, guys, just leave me alone, okay? There's nothing going on. Oh, man, I, I better get in there. Um, See you, guys. Well, you heard the man. He's just run inside and taking that tinfoil thing with him. 
There's clearly nothing going on. Nothing! We've got to see if Nico needs any help with whatever that is. If you want to run into the jaws of whatever is making that sound, just to show support for your- He's not my boyfriend. Beth, you're impossible. Wait up! Nico? Nico, where are you? Nico! Is everything okay? What are you guys doing in here? I told you there was nothing going on. Nico's over on those stairs. And that sound feels like it's coming from the attic. Come on. No, don't come on. You're in my- Nico, can't you hear that there's something in here with- Okay, okay. There's no keeping you out of it now. Follow me. And don't make any sudden moves. Follow you into- into the attic? Do we need tinfoil things like you? I told you to leave, but if you gotta see what's going on, it's up here. Maybe it's really not about- Thomas, don't you dare try to get out of here. Lead on, Nico. <sighs> okay. What, what on earth, earth is, is that? that? What on earth does it look like? A, A dragon? dragon? Yeah. Full on. A, A dragon? dragon? Are you going to keep asking that? Hey, Frankie, it's me. It's, it's me. It's Nico. That's it, Frankie. Calm down. Good boy. Frankie. Um, yeah, I guess. That's it. Good boy, Frankie. Good boy. And you're sure it's a boy? No idea. Well, you're the expert. Where did, um... Frankie come from? I don't know where he came from, but I found him in the vacant lot behind the school. Behind our school? Yeah. And he was hollering and hollering, and he was about, uh, well, about a fifth this size. So, like, the size of a Great Dane, because he's the size of, like, a cargo van now. Yeah. I know. He was easy to get back here. Easy? Are you kidding me? Not at all. I had stayed after band practice, and I was practicing my marching moves with my flute, and Frankie came over from the vacant lot, and, well, he followed me. He just followed you? I think he liked my flute. Nico, what do you know about dragons? I don't know anything. Nothing at all. Except that in all the books I've read about imaginary dragons, they like a hoard of gold and silver and stuff. And you've got tons of that just lying around. Don't be ridiculous. I don't have gold and silver and stuff, but... The, the tinfoil thing. thing! Well, yeah. And other stuff, too. I mean, it started with stuff from our kitchen. Metal spoons and pans and stuff. I'm sure your mom loved that. She doesn't know. She's out of town for a week. It's... It's my first time alone. I mean... I can call my grandma when I need her, but... A dragon in your attic sitting on a hoard of kitchen utensils? Sounds like it's time to call grandma. I was sure I could do this. I mean, take care of a pet. A pet? But now, well, he's grown this much in only three days. Three, three days? And I've been able to find more hoard stuff around. Hoard stuff? Yeah, like this corrugated aluminum I found in the vacant lot behind the gas station. Wow. And, oh, he really likes these. What are they? They're the shiny metal legs of an old desk. I don't even know where they came from. I found them behind the auto shop at the high school. Here, Frankie, fetch. He really loves that. <laughs> well, there's more stuff around here, too. Like a mixing bowl stolen from the store? I didn't steal that mixing bowl. I mean, I tried. Mm -hmm but I didn't feel like I could, so I hit the trash. For the tinfoil thing. Oh, Nico, what are you gonna do? This, this dragon belongs somewhere. Is that you, Frankie? It came from outside the house. Quick, get to that window. I don't believe it. Frankie, your mom's here to pick you up. Look at those wings! Get away from the window before she breathes fire or something. No, no, I, no, I, th I think that's a myth. At least, I've never seen Frankie breathe fire. Yet! You've never seen Frankie breathe fire yet! Thomas has a point! Get that! Well, I guess we know how Frankie will get out of the house. The wall! 
The window! Frankie! You mean no wall, no window. Just put her, um, fist? Claw? Right through it! Nico, let him go. While there's still any of your house left. But, but... It's okay, Frankie. Go on. Go on! Okay! I get it! Frankie... Go on. This was never going to work. Frankie? What's he doing? Is that my flute? In his mouth. You want me to... play? Whoa. Uh... Okay. He likes it. Okay, Frankie. That's the best I got. <laughs> there he goes. Nobody's gonna believe this. I can't think of an explanation for our new open-air attic that's any more... believable. I don't know what I'm going to tell my mom. Or my grandma. A problem for another moment, Nico. Take your mind off it by playing us something? I've always loved your flute playing. Always? I just started playing the flute a couple of weeks ago. Oh! I meant to say... that is, I... Yeah. I'll play you something. I should get a cat. Funny. I was just thinking I shouldn't get a cat. Not getting a cat. Yeah. I mean, there's a limit to what you can take on. Beth. Huh? You're a dork. Thanks. How about a nice houseplant? I like plants. You do? A houseplant sounds nice. Yeah. Um, nice. You guys are impossible. Extracurricular activities and original audio drama cooked up in our secret lab here at the Appleseed. And it's been fun not only to listen to that radio drama with you, but also with a couple of the people who helped us make it. Audio engineers, Jerem Hansen and Kira Brewer. Guys, what fun. Yeah, it was a blast. So much fun. I loved it. <laughs> it's an adventure. Before we listened to it, we were talking about pets. We were talking about dogs. We were talking about, you know, cats. Uh, dragons, right? That, yeah. That's what we're really talking about. That's the dream. <laughs> it's hard to let a dragon sleep on your bed at night. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and how do you make a dragon sound? A lot of boomy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for, like, the mama dragon because she's huge. Yeah. Like, she's rattling the earth, the house, the kids' bones. Yeah. Just kidding. I didn't put a sound effect in for that. But <laughs> Um, so it's just, it's gotta be bigger than life, but, yeah. but just bigger than, than the life in that world that you created. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> some of the sounds that I think, uh, gave the baby dragon a little more character is we had some like kind of cow noises. Cow some, noises. Yeah. And different things like that. Kind of, a, mm, mm, just kind <laughs> yes. of some of those like, yeah. uh, <laughs> things like that. Uh, some of the baby dragon noises are just people like blowing bubbles in water and, oh, and then really? you distort it. Yeah. Wow. So it just sounds like a, you know, like a growl, <laughs> a growl from a dragon. So this, uh, this, as I listen to this piece, it's, it's, to some degree at least, about how quick we are to take on 
more responsibility mm. than we can really handle, you know? And it has, it has less to do with dreaming big. You know, people ought to dream big yeah. than just like the nonchalance with which we just say, oh, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> and then something walks through the door that's just, you know, bigger than you ever dreamed it would be, you know? Yeah. I think I'm still kind of in that adventure right now because um, studying music and audio in college, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm good at piano. I can do it. Got in somehow. <laughs> and I'm still in the middle of that where it's it's grown into this huge dragon, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> but I love it. But, wow. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. What about you, Jerem? Is there any adventure that was bigger than you thought it was going to be? Oh, this this isn't much of an adventure, but I my I helped my mom. My mom and dad recently bought a, a camper trailer, oh, uh-huh. and it was a little older, needed a little bit of work. And I thought I I offered. I'm like, hey, mom, I'll help you. That'd be a ton of fun, and <laughs> turned into a lot of hours. <laughs> it paid off. It looks really good on yeah. the inside, but uh, yeah, you never realize, and then suddenly it's. And you put in 10, 12, 20 hours, and yeah. you go, oh, no, this is a and lot more work than I thought. that's the reminder, isn't it? I mean, certainly in the story that we just heard, the dragons fly off, and they're left with, you know, only whatever memories they have and a big hole in the house, right? Yeah. <laughs> but some of, the, some of the dragon-sized things we take on can seem daunting while we're in the middle of them, but at the end of it all, we get to look at that trailer, for example, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and we think, good heavens, that's a that's that was that was worth doing. Look look what mm-hmm. I did, and that's that's great. Yeah. You know? Thanks for talking a little bit about extracurricular activities, and good heavens, congratulations on creating something so cool. Pleasure to be a part of it. Yeah, thanks so much. And as we wrap up our hour together, I just want to thank you for joining us on The Appleseed. We're so grateful to you for listening. And we love it when you reach out to let us know you're listening. It's one of our favorite things to hear from you and to know what you think of the show. We're on a lot of podcast platforms, and a listener with the username KellyPrincess235 left us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. KellyPrincess235 says, I love the stories on this show. They're always so fun and easy to follow and are a great way to ensure that I have a great day. And I'm telling you, Kelly Princess 235 knowing that you feel that way about the apple seed is a great way to ensure that we have a great day. Thanks so much for leaving us that comment. It's been a pleasure for me to share this hour with you. Join us again on The Appleseed, won't you? You can find us at byuradio.org slash Appleseed by Googling The Appleseed Podcast or by downloading the BYU Radio app for ways to listen to all the great shows produced by BYU Radio. The Appleseed is pleased and proud to be part of that family of programs. Again, you can reach out to us by sending us an email at theappleseed at byu.edu. Again, that's theappleseed at byu.edu. We love to hear your story. And of course, if you found us on the podcast, be sure to rate us and review us. It helps people find the show. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed. Seed.